Hello, grown-ups. My name is Kim Phillips, and I direct Cove Kids, which is infants through fifth grade. And um, also now in the fall, here's a little preview for the women's Bible study people. Um, there's going to be a proverb study in the discipleship area, and um, so look for it. Hope I see you there. Today's scripture is from Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The, this is the word of the Lord. That's it. I'll take it. Good. That's the special sauce. Good to have Kim in the adult service. You're doing two in a row? Yeah. Catching up. I was saying, how many years has it been since you've been in the adult service? A been a lot of years. So let's welcome Mrs. Kim in with the, the big church. I think we call it big church, as I remember back in the day. I caused um, some turmoil at uh, Trader Joe's this week uh, as uh, in the line. And the reason I did that. Uh, is because I like to test my sermon on Uber drivers, pizza carriers, Trader Joe's people. And we were talking. I remember I walked around the corner of the dog, after getting some dog food up at the La Jolla Village one. And around, I don't know if you've noticed it, but, but around 3 to 5 p.m. in the uh, afternoon, the lighting is just gorgeous in there. And I'm glad I'm at a space in my life where I notice little things like, is someone behind me? Oh, hi, Olin. What's up, buddy? I heard a little mouse back there. I'm glad I'm in a place in my life where like I walk around a corner in Trader Joe's and the brilliance of the light coming in on the cashier is just like, wow, I can see it. There's been so many times in my life where I can't see things like that. I'm too busy, something's annoying me, or uh, I'm annoying myself, which is a regular uh, thing that happens to me. And uh, I got into the line and I was talking and, and uh, I, the guy said, uh, I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm living life. And it's interesting because my sermon is series is about life, and we're talking about it. And I said, I'm speaking about that very thing this Sunday. He goes, oh, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm, I'm going to try to focus on living beyond biology. And he like, was like, Ert! he's all, man, I really love when people come in and say something that I've never heard before. He goes, talk to me about that. Now, this time we got two, three, four people. They got watermelons they're holding behind me and everything. And I didn't care. I'm like deep into the point, and we're talking we began to talk about this idea of what it means to live beyond biology. And in our world today, which is desperately seeking life, they're seeking something to tell them that they are alive. Uh, obviously, with the um, suicide rates that we see in our country and different things, um, it doesn't seem to be working because at the end of the road, people are not finding life and they are being told that life is a series of events. Some 
uh, if you look at the influencers of our day, that's what they call um, um, kids usually on YouTube. They are the influencers, unfortunately. I'd rather have like 70-year-olds influence me, kind of the old school way, because you have a little bit of life in them. But nonetheless, as you look what they're doing, they're, they're traveling. They have, you know, they're, they're making fake, uh, you know, stories about their lives that really didn't happen. There was a gal this week who uh, staged, maybe you saw it, uh, they, you know, there was an article, I think, in Vanity Fair, which I'm a big Vanity Fair guy, obviously. Uh, and they, she staged a motorcycle accident. Now she's saying that she didn't, but she had perfect hair, makeup, the water that, that, um, is her sponsor was neatly placed in the picture. Uh, and she was defending herself about this because she'd had this experience and they're actually getting to the point where they're having to make things up in order to let you think that they are living this fabulous life. It's interesting uh, what it means to be alive and what our world sees as alive and how, as back to talking to the Trader Joe's guy, uh, how do you know that you're alive? And is life more than just a series of things that cause your biology to come alive with, you know, some drink or some trip or the feeling of a new relationship? Does that mean you're alive? And if that is our matrix for life, then how do you know you're alive when you get a report from the doctor that doesn't match with your life's plan? How do you, uh, you know, when your kids go a different direction, uh, when something doesn't work out, when the business you started fails, when all the, the prophetic things that you thought were spoken over your life don't work out, can you still be alive when your biology is not pinging with dopamine hits and all these things? Jesus and the scripture particularly talks about how to be alive beyond your biology and how do you know that you're alive. And one of the things we really want to do here, we want to be one of the most practical churches in the world, if not the most practical church. I've actually never heard a church say they want to be the most practical church. So that's kind of why I want to go for it because I don't feel like, you know, it's like we're going to be the biggest, we're going to have the best, you know, best looking people on stage or these, you know, whatever this thing is, but it is true, right, Chris? She said that's already true. <laughs> well done. Touche. Um, but we can be practical. And I love being minimal and I like being practical. And I want every week's sermon to give you handholds to make your life better, to make your life in Christ better. Now, what we said last week is the Bible offers you life beyond biology. But it also says that that life is offered at a price. And there's a bargain that the scripture makes with you that says you have to give up your life and you have to accept life in God because life can only be found in God and God is the author of all life and anything that you pursue outside of God, whether it, you know, gives you a momentary sensation of jumping out of a plane or whatever is actually not life unless it is made in God. And this is one of the difficult things that people have with scripture. The scripture offers life but it offers it conditionally. It says that life has to be offered in God. And I would say even God's love, the Bible is conditional. People say God's love is unconditional. I have not found that to be true. I have found the scripture to say that you have to be willing to accept God's love, and that is a condition. God offers you love, but we have to be willing to do things like self-control, like self, uh, like crucifying yourself. What the world wants is life with no restrictions. And what Bible, the Bible says is if you want to live with me, I know the best practices because I am your creator. And are you willing to draw back on these things so you can fully experience life? Now, 
My question to you as we look at life and this analogy of a tree and following up life as an agrarian topic, like Christ talked about it throughout the scripture, is are you alive? And how do you know you're alive? The main point of today in the Bible talks about that one of the ways that you know practically you're alive is by the production of fruit that you have coming from your life. And is that fruit getting to market? Now, who's market? The market is the people that surround you on that third corner. We have four corners at this church. One of them is your heart. One of them is this corner of this church, your fellowship that you believe in and want to be a part of. One is the home that you live in, and the other is the four corners of the earth. Is the fruit of your life making it to the other corners, to those markets? And I don't want to use a business analogy, but just for the sake of understanding something like we have up here at the farmer's market, do you have a market for, your, for the fruit of your life to get to And do you have a way that you are getting that fruit there? One of the ways to know you're alive is that your fruit is getting to market. People are consuming the fruit of your life and you are sustaining other people. No fruit grows inside of the bark of a tree. I saw a tree come down this week and inside there was no fruit inside the stump. The fruit is an external thing that is brought out that others can get to. And what I think a lot of the world, not all of the world, but much of the culture, when it talks about this feeling of being alive, and a lot of the commercials you'll see are about being able to feel alive, is all about your ability to experience something within yourself. The scripture talks about fruit being an external thing and that you feel alive by giving your life away. How did Jesus give eternal life? By denying himself, by being crucified, and that opened up all of us for eternal life. The more self-sacrifice we have in order to sustain other people, the more life we will feel. So the question is this. Do you have fruit in your life? And where is your market for that fruit? And do you see other people coming to the tree of your life, as we'll see a moment in the scripture here, that are coming to your tree for sustenance? In the Revelations 22, it says that the tree of life has leaves on it. We talked about that last week. And that leaves act as shade for all the nations, bringing peace to the nations. Do people come to you and do they experience peace? Do people come to you and ask for advice? Do people come to you and find sustenance as we look at the scriptures. So as we look at your notes right now, the Bible says that how do you measure life and how do you know about your alive? Well, it's all about the fruit. One of the best ways to know is about fruit. There's two scriptures Jesus speaks about. And Matthew uh, speaks to the Jew who are, the Jews are really into this idea of a metaphor of the tree of life. It's in Genesis and it is a, you know, they have the, 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 the term lahayim, which means to life. And they are all about life. I was just in Israel, and I saw them dancing and yelling Lahayam on the streets. And Lahayam is how, I think it's how you say it, actually. And it's all about the fruit. It's all about the fruit. And Jesus is talking to an Israeli nation that is basic, and he's saying to them and to the people, uh, to a lot of them, at least in half these sentences, you can either have fruit or you can dry up and wither and be cast away. Here's the first verse. As Matthew writing to Jews, and if you want to do a Google search on verses on trees and fruit in the book of Matthew, just Google that. You will find a, you know, more scriptures than you can chew on in a day. Matthew 13, 8. Jesus talking about being able to produce says, still other seeds fell on good soil. We talked about that last week. Where are you planting yourself? You are one of those trees, like in the Lord of the Rings, that has the ability to walk around. And you can decide where you plant yourself. Where are you planting yourself? The fact that you have planted yourself in this pew today is a good um, uh, you know, um, measure that you want life. 
that you want to be around people that are going after good things. It says, still fell on good soil where it produced a crop. I love it. You have crops or a measly little piece of fruit. Crops. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times which was sown. This is one of the miracles that we see in, um, in Scripture and in creation. In Romans chapter 2, it says that you can learn a little something about God in all of creation. It says that the invisible quality in creation, the invisible qualities of God and his divine nature can be what? Clearly seen. When you walk out, we walked out this week, we had a little, uh, Harry did a, Pastor Harry did a worship experience and we walked kids through the, the, uh, down trails and paths and, uh, we had different leaders there that they would experience this and we walked out once into a clearing. We started and we put a blindfold on them and two of the counselors led them down this path and then we opened their eyes up and in a clearing in the trees was the constellation, uh, of the Big Dipper. And as we walked out, one of the kids in particular, as we stood there, as soon as he took the blindfold off, a massive shooting star came across that clearing in the trees. It was just so amazing to see how God wanted to speak specifically to that one kid. I just felt like it was so of the Lord. And I saw the glory of creation. Romans also goes on to say that people will see that and they will see God in it, but they will not recognize God and begin to worship the creation and miss God in the peace. When you start to experience life, you will, and I'll know, hey, look, I know when I'm, when I'm feeding on life and when I'm feeding on death. And when I'm feeding on life, I turn around in, in a Trader Joe's and the sun coming into a store and I go, wow, God's amazing. And when I'm feeding on myself and my own worries and my own doubts, I don't see that sun. I see the three people in line in front of me. I think I'm going to be here way too long. I wish I could go faster. Why is that person taking? That's not 15 items. That's 22 items. <laughs> I love the news. There's one store I went to the day that said 15 items or so or something like that. Like pretty much 15 items. I'm like, oh, can't stick to the letter of the law that way. And so Jesus says that you have the ability to produce massive amounts of fruit. How's your fruit production? When I, when I want to know, because it's easy to, to look at all your doubts and fears and worries and concerns, but when I look out at you and I look around this congregation and see you and see the fruit of your lives and the changing of your life, that is probably one of the measures where I, ask, I tell myself, I know I'm in the right place at the right time for such a time as this. Because I can easily build a wall around myself of self-doubt and worry and comparison to somebody else or some other thing, just like you can do. But when you look around and you see yourself surrounded by people that are producing fruit, you know you're in the right place. And I tell you what, I want to be in, I want to be in an orchard. I don't want to be a little tree all by myself somewhere, just producing fruit of my own, being a little influencer, you know. I want to be in an orchard. And I got to say, you know, in this community right now, just looking out. I told Pastor Harry this on, on Wednesday when we were talking about our church. I could sit down and write a hundred names of people in this congregation right now that are massive fruit producers. Where I just see fruit. I want to be in an orchard where, where the fruit is just even falling to the ground there so much. And the poor used to come and they would glean. You weren't allowed if fruit fell to the ground. In the Jewish culture, you weren't allowed to pick that fruit up. It was meant for the poor to come and to live on the abundance. This is, I believe it's Ruth uh, in the scripture who goes and she gleans from, from the wheat that had been on the ground. That's the kind of church we want to be. That's the kind of people I want to be surrounded by. And one of the ways to know, am I alive, is I look around at where I'm planted and I see life around me. And when I look around here and see you, I see life everywhere. And so many of you are getting your life 
to market and you're getting your fruit to market. And Jesus talks about that. Do you want to have massive fruit production? Next thing we see is Jesus has a hard statement. Basically, he says, if you don't produce fruit or if you produce bad fruit, then you will, in the end, that will prove that you never knew me and you will be cast into hell. This is what he meant by this. Very hard statement. Like I said last week, you don't have to be a stumbling block to people. Christians don't have to go out and be, you know, uh, put, you know, um, things in people's faces that cause them to run away from the gospel. Jesus is a big enough of a stumbling block on his own without your help being a jerk as you try to evangelize people. We want to be kind. Even Jesus didn't come to judge. Why? Because God had already judged. We'll talk about judgment and fruit production in a moment. But our job is not to judge others. Ours is to accept the judgments of God like Jesus did and to bring a word of life. But Jesus says stuff like this. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and what? Thrown into the fire. And that's not what you want. And one of the questions you have to ask is, am I producing fruit? And if you see fruit around your life, then you're going to experience life around your life. Jesus talks about fruit production. How's your fruit production? Now, one of the things in the scripture that we want to be very careful about is this idea of judging. So about 10 years ago, do you remember the whole don't judge thing was happening? There was like everywhere you saw, don't judge, don't judge. That is such a lie. Everybody judges. Don't tell me one person who put that on YouTube or Facebook or whatever, you know, would let somebody live in their house, whoever shows up and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm renting a room out. And the guy, you know, some guy shows up disheveled, you know, just out of prison for stealing, you know, whatever, has like, you know, weapons on him. I'm just going to move into your room. Yeah, no problem. No judge, no judgment. Just get in there, dude. I got the room all ready for you. Everybody judges. Everybody makes judgments. Well, so what is the Bible talking about when it says don't judge? I just want to give you a little understanding of scripture. First of all, we never judge because judgment puts us in the place of God. But what we do is we accept God's judgments. God is the ultimate judge, and it is our job to know what those judgments are and to act according to those judgments. When people say, well, aren't Christians judgmental? The answer is, well, some might be, but the answer is, you know, if you know the scripture, the answer is no. Do Christians understand the judgments of God, what he says yes to, what he says no to, and are willing to sacrifice our lives in order to live according to God's judgments? Yes. This is why we can, this is why we can make, we can agree with God's judgments. So when we look at fruit, as you'll see here in the scripture, it says if you go down to verse 44, when we judge fruit, each tree is what? Recognized by its fruit. We can all recognize. You're not, when you recognize something, are you making a judgment about it? You're recognizing it is what it is. I want to say when you walk into places, people recognize the fruit in your life. How are you being recognized? Do you know that person in your neighborhood that you just love seeing coming down the street? And then there's that other person in the neighborhood, maybe, that you don't enjoy coming down the street because what they're constantly producing is bad fruit. Or maybe that person is you. How do we understand and know what God calls us to do? If you want to know about fruit, Galatians talks about it, right? Now, yesterday, I was slangry. Okay, anybody been slangry? Now, there's, there's hangry. You know what hangry is, right? Haven't eaten, and you're angry. Yesterday, I'd spent a week with a bunch of 12-year-olds, and by the end, even though I have a gift for it, they'd gotten to me. They'd gotten under the skin. I was, I was, I was feeling, I was twitching, you know? I'd dressed up like a, in, a, in a sombrero and done the Mexican hat dance. I'd worn the dinosaur outfit. I'd worn the caveman outfit. Done it all. We had gone back in time. It was a great camp. Rode jet skis, jumped off rocks. 
It was amazing, but I was tired. And then we had a 8 a.m. security training for the whole campus. So we are doing some really, a lot in regard to securing this campus, making sure it's a safe and welcoming place for you. So I was here at 8, and it was amazing, but it was at 8 o'clock, and we were here until 3, and I was slangry, and I was, I was just not in it. And then we had a, I knew I had to come back for the talent show, which was, by the way, great job, Chris. Amazing. You just crushed it. Yay, yay for that. So stop, please. And I went home and I thought, and I started going over my scriptures a little bit. And I thought, you know what? I want to do what I actually preach. And uh, I have a prayer partner that I've been praying with. And we've been trying to meditate on scripture. So I started just chewing on this verse about fruit. Started chewing and thinking, you know, the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, um, self-control. That's one the world won't give you. Uh, You know, and all these things. I began to think about it for 15, 20 minutes. It was interesting that my personality... Not my identity, but my personality completely changed after meditating on the Word of God for 20 minutes. All of a sudden, I had margin. All of a sudden, I was like, I can't wait to get back to church to see the, the, the acts tonight, to welcome everybody. All of a sudden, I had margin that I didn't have. All of a sudden, I was happier than I, ha- than I had been because I was meditating on the Word of God. All of a sudden, the fruit was evident in my life. This is a prescription. If you want to change your week... Take this scripture out of Galatians and meditate on the fruit of the Spirit. You know what's cool about fruit production? That it's not your fruit. You don't even have to produce fruit. It is the fruit of whom? The Spirit. All you have to do is plant yourself in front of the Spirit. You make a decision, a conscious effort to plant yourself, and all of a sudden you're going to see fruit in your life. Abundant fruit. Now the next question is, how do you get that fruit to market? Well, the Bible says here in verse 44 of the scripture we looked at, people do not pick figs from, from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. I want to say this tells you that people pick fruit from your life. Jesus is saying that you are a tree, but he also is saying that it is the nature of people to be attracted to fruit. It is the nature of people to be attracted to people who produce fruit. And people will come to you when they see that you have an abundance of fruit in your life. It is very easy to get into a, uh, a, I would say, a pattern of living to survive. Just getting enough little sips of air before you go back under the water again. Constantly focusing on yourself. Constantly focusing on your own worries, on your own fears. And not living an outward life. Once again, fruit is an outward thing. And people will be attracted to it. One of the best ways to know you're alive is ask yourself, do people come to me to have life? You know, look, when I was producing bad fruit and I was a drug dealer and I was selling crystal meth down at PB High back in the 1980s, I had a bunch of, you know, I was 18, I just graduated, I'd pull into the parking lot with crystal meth and kids would come out of the high school and I would sell meth to them in the parking lot. They were attracted to some really bad fruit. That fruit was leading me to hell, even though I knew Christ at the time. People came to me and they'll come for bad fruit. But you know what I've also found? People want some good fruit too. And people, when they get addicted to the fruit of life, and you can be a fruit producer of life because you are tapped in to the vine, the true vine, all of a sudden you start changing the world. That's when you start changing the world in your marketplace. You have seven places you probably go during a week, right? You have your same Rubio's you go to. We have like seven places. I go to the same Trader Joe's. I go to the same gym. I come to church, go to Wind and Sea. I have a few places. Most of us have about seven places. And in that place is where we want to see the fruit of the Spirit come alive. 
But in order to do that, sometimes we've got to switch over to a different kind of vine that is uh, sustaining us. Proverbs, uh, in, when it talks about gen- generous fruit, in ver- go to verse 45 here in your notes. Now, this can be um, male or female here, the, the usage of this word, but they, because in the Jewish uh, text back then they said a good man. But the scripture says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored where? Where is goodness stored? Goodness is ster- stored in your heart. As we'll see in a moment in Proverbs, everything you do comes from your heart. Your heart is a silo. Think of a wheat silo in Iowa or somewhere in the Midwest. Your heart is a silo. And what you allow into your mind and what you accept as a yes and what you edit out and the things you say no to, well, actually, it is impossible not to have the things you accept or reject filter into your heart. This is how God made us, how God created us. If you cast your eyes upon things that are unholy, things that are filthy, if you use your distraction time and watch things that have filth in them and, and you expect that you can watch filth, and not have it affect your heart, you are, you are utterly wrong. The scripture is clear that whatever you are in agreement with will go into the silo of your heart. I believe for people it is impossible to be in the world of pornography without it affecting how you treat other people's human dignity and not seeing people as objects. It is impossible to think that you can compartmentalize things like hate, like anger, like fear, and allow those things in your mind. This is why we want to have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ that is a filter, as the scripture says, it says, we take every thought, what? Captive. We make every, every thought, the good ones and the bad ones, every thought captive, making it obedient to whom? To Christ. So the, for actually the pulling down of what? Strongholds. When you do that, you will start pulling down strongholds in your life. And that is why it is so important what you allow. People say, well, that's kind of prudish. Yes, it is. It is a little bit prudish, and I don't care. Because I don't want my, my mind and my heart filled with those things. That's why I'm very careful now what I allow in. Even too much news, too much media, you know, whatever it is, whatever you are filling yourself with, the mouth will speak. We'll look at that in just a moment. What are you fertilizing your crops with? Your heart is a silo. Whatever you let into your mind, whatever you accept, that person is a no-good loser. They are whatever you think. If you accept that thought, it will go in, it will check into your heart, and it will affect every action you do. You might not think it does. You might think that you can hate somebody compartmentally, and it won't affect the rest of your life. The Scripture is, is clear that that is not the case. You want your heart to be full of goodness, and out of the goodness of your heart, you will bring fruit. That's why you cannot compartmentalize sin, compartmentalize attitudes, compartmentalize all these things because it blends into either a beautiful or a foul poultice in your heart, which will be the very fertilizer and sustenance that you bring the fruit of your life out. We want good fruit. Proverbs 4.23. I, I give you a little spoiler alert on this one. Above all else, what? Guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? You guard your mind. You guard your eyes. You guard your ears. You guard your thoughts. Thoughts start in the mind. They don't start, you know, they don't start in the, in the heart often, although our heart does have the ability to think, as the scripture says. But guard your heart for everything. Circle everything. Not some things. The scripture says everything you do flows from it. Do you know when good fruit is flowing from your life and when bad is? I do. It is very easy for me to determine when I have margin, peace, joy, happiness, All those things. And maybe some of you haven't experienced that for years. You know what's so interesting about the fruit of the Spirit? All of them can be fruiting at the same time. Now, it is seasonal. 
So if you have some things that have stopped in your life, sometimes there is a seasonal thing. But the fruit of the Spirit, it isn't like you just produce one crop at a time. The cool thing about the fruit of the Spirit is God can give you all of those at once. And then you can walk with a tree that is producing hundreds of different types of fruit. The, the, the Spirit of God is unlimited in what it can do. And I have found that sometimes I, I, I just want peace and I'm happy with just having some peace. But I give up thanksgiving. I give up joy just because I want one thing. The fruit of the Spirit, if you expose yourself, meditate on the Word of God, plant yourself in the right places, these things that we're talking about, all of a sudden you'll start seeing all types of fruit come off of your, uh, of your life and off your body that will sustain your children that'll sustain your your spouse, your boyfriend, your parents, your whole family, the world around you, the marketplace of your joy where you are coming out and experiencing these things. The spirit of God can produce fruit, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And then it says talking about a word of generosity in this. I love this is about what it means to bring your fruit to market. It says the good man uh brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Brings good things this means that you're not just sitting with your fruit. You are, act, you are actively seeking to bring good things to other people. Unity for Orphans here has a table in the back where they are taking um, backpacks and school supplies. They are actually have a marketplace. It is an orphanage, two of them or three of them, all over down in South America, or excuse me, Central America and Mexico. And they have a plan to market the fruit of their life. Do you have a plan to market the fruit of your life? Modern believers don't. They think it just happens. And it does sometimes. But I want to encourage you to have a plan. Where are you producing fruit? And are you, it says here that the good person brings. That is an, an act of the will. You have decided to bring it forth from your heart. What's in your heart? What's in your heart to do? Do you want to care? Do you want to see people saved? Sam, I love Sam. Uh, he's in our middle school program. He's, he's speaking right now to the kids. He started telling the kids about what breaks his heart. And he started talking about PB. And he started, he, he goes, I never cry except when I talk. And he started, then he started crying. He says, people in PB don't know the Lord. They need to know Jesus. My friends don't know Jesus. And it was like two minutes before he got his, he got, he got his you know, act back together. I don't even want to say back together. But before he collected himself, I thought, that's the kind of people I need to surround me. Because I'm a church builder and I'm a, I'm a discipler. I'm not an evangelist like that. I want to be an evangelist. I pray to be an evangelist. I think I do okay at it. But I'm, 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 I love building believers. That's just what God's called me to. And sometimes I err on evangelism and something I want to get better at. But I thought to myself when he was there, I need to surround, I want to be in that orchard. As long as I'm in that orchard and we got a section of the orchard that's all evangelists and I'm part of that, you know, deal and I take what you give me and we, you know, we, we help get those fruit to market in that, then I'll, I'll, I'll work my place. But are you bringing, do you have a plan to bring that fruit? And what's in your heart? What's in your heart to do? When was the last time you had something in your heart to do that didn't have to do with you? Seriously. The next trip you're going to plan, the remodel of your home, all this. When was the last time you actually maybe even sacrificed and thought, I want to do this and I'm willing to sacrifice to make it happen? I love Unity for Orphans. I love our missionaries. These missionaries are sacrificing. I got to tell you, it's not just for missionaries. It's for you. But you got to have something good in your heart to bring good out. Because you can't bring out good from a heart that isn't good. And a heart that needs to be changed. And maybe it's time to pull up the root and plant new crops. And if you want that, it's available for you. There's a quick matrix of fruit production here. As you see, it begins in the mind, which I've said. It's stored in the heart, comes out of the mouth. You are what you think. My dad read a book, 
Back in the day, one of his favorite books, Think, it was called Think and What? Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich. I think it's probably more true because not everybody that read that book grew rich that you can think about money and grow obsessed with money, but you might not grow rich. But you are what you think. What you are thinking about on a regular basis flows from the heart. It's what you have accepted and it goes out and then it comes out in your actions. Where is your mind meditating upon? Psalm 1, as I mentioned earlier, says that the person who meditates on the law will be like what? A tree planted by waters that is nourished by the stream that gives its fruit in season. That same tree is seen as a tree of life in Revelations that is watered by God, brings shade to the nation and peace, it actually says shade and peace to the nations. They are peace bringers. You are what you think. What are you ruminating on on a regular basis? I know it's hard, but you have control about what you think about, even if it's a massive battle. Because when you're trying to change your thought patterns, you're going to have to go to war. Some of you are going to have to change tapes. You're going to have to change the way you think about yourself and, uh, and begin to say, I take that thought captive. I remember when I was struggling with anxiety and I was in, I had chronic anxiety, which meant I could see that you, I remember one time I walked outside when you've had bad anxiety and it gets into a place where it's chronic. I walked outside and my neighbor hasn't mowed, hadn't mowed his lawn and I got stressed about the neighbor. I actually felt anxiety that he hadn't mowed his lawn, that it just felt overwhelming to me. Like, seriously, now if you're an anxiety person, then you know what I'm, if you've gone that deep, and I hope you never do, that's not a good place to be, where every thought knocks you off, and you have no ability to control the thoughts of your mind. Actually, I did, and I began, I took a walk, I was in Australia one day, and I was having thoughts like that, and I took a walk, and I was, an hour and a half, it was just negative thought after negative thought, and I'd say, no, in the name of Jesus, I take control of that, I take you captive, I saw myself, I, in my mind, I tied the thought up, I gave it to Jesus, I didn't feel any better. It was an hour and a half. And when I got done with the walk, I didn't feel any better that time. But I began to say that I am going to steward the thoughts of my mind and I am not going to let my mind or my emotions, which is the culture now, whatever you, th- whatever you feel is true. Not true. Whatever you feel is not true. Emotions are tyrannical. Emotions are awesome. Thank you for them. But they are not the, even in the top five of the way I make decisions anymore. I definitely look at my emotions, but I try to use the word of God. I try to use wisdom. I try to use counsel. And we see a world right now as if you feel it, it is real. If you want it, it is real. It is truth. As a believer, I want to use my emotions. But are we taking captive? You are what you think. So it goes from your mind into your heart. We're coming in for a landing now. Psalm 1, 2. I just said this a moment ago. It says, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. I got pulled over in Big Bear this week again. I've been pulled over probably six to eight times in the last 10 years, and only in Big Bear. <laughs> Never gotten a ticket. They just loved to pull me over in Big Bear. I don't, and when the guy got there, I'm like, dude, really? Here you go. I actually wasn't like that. I was like, I've been pulled over this many times. Nonetheless, he let me go. No fix-it ticket, no nothing. Just wanted to pull me over and check my smile, I guess, or whatever. So they love me up in Big Bear. Uh, but it says, whose delight is in the, do you delight in the law? It was interesting. As he pulled me over, it was, I was, it was late. It was 11.30. And I just said, you know, God, thank you that we have people that are willing to put their life on the wrist to keep me safe. And thanks for the badge. I appreciate the badge, God. As long as, you know, as they're not over superseding their responsibility um, and being corrupt, uh, thank you for it. And I just thank God for getting pulled over. Those are the kind of things that I knew that if I think that, it'll go into my heart. If I start thinking, ah, I'm late, where are you pulling? I didn't do that. I wasn't speeding, you know. But go into that pretty soon. The guy's like, cool, go, take it easy. I think his name was Joel. So uh, bless him. 
But blessed is the one who's delight. Do you delight in the law of the Lord? Why do we delight in the law? Because it's good for you. You know, um, it's good for you. Some, you know, I, I have to say, not ever, sometimes God just says no, and we accept no. Somebody asked me the other day, well, what about this? Do you guys allow this? Do you allow that? And I said, no. Why not? Sometimes I said, you know, without going through the whole thing, I just said, because we believe God said no. And sometimes God just says no. Well, shouldn't everybody get to be happy? I said, I don't know. I said, I don't think everyone gets a happy ending of their own, you know, self-determination. I think the, the Bible says self-sacrifice, not self-determination. That we are not called to self-determine ourselves. That we are called to have self-control and agree with the laws of God or not agree. And you don't have to agree with the laws of God. But here it says a person that delights in the laws of God knows that God built the handbook for this creation and by doing so that we will have life. We finish the scripture. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season whose leaf does not wither, says that in Revelations. Whatever they do will prosper. Might not look like the world prospers, but whatever you do will prosper. Luke 6.45, good man, as we saw, brings out the good things stored up, and the evil man brings out the evil things stored up. We already talked about that. And then the final um, thing that I want to read today is a quote from C.S. Lewis. And I want to give you a challenge this week to get away and think about the tree of your heart. Think about the tree of your life. And is it producing fruit? And is that fruit have a, have a marketplace? And are you marketing the fruit of the gospel? Is your life experiencing those things? Because this is life. The Bible says that, that this is the model of life. And it's all a model of giving yourself away. It's all a model of caring for other people. It's all a model of being someone who has a heart for others. And people are coming to you, not for bad fruit. People will come to you for bad fruit. If you offer them bad fruit, they will come to you. And like I was peddling meth in, in the parking lot. They were, they were showing up in droves. But then I began to get tapped into something else and peddle something else. It was the love of God. And what I have seen is that people are more attracted actually to life. And it begins to grow. What are you, what are you selling? Where is your marketplace? Where are you making a difference? Is it all about you? And are you expecting fruit to grow with inside of the stump of, a, of your life? I mean, this is a week as we talk about life and as we move now, because I believe that this fall is going to be a tremendous season of harvest for people. I feel like God has said for the, for our congregation, I don't know what it's going to look like, but we are moving into the fall and in the fall, we, we actually don't even produce the fruit. We harvest the fruit and you can easily switch in to changing your crops into a new place and a new revelation that God has for you. So this week, take some time. C.S. Lewis says, when asked, is Christianity hard or easy? He says, give me, give me your all. I don't want so much of your time, so much of your talent and money, so much of all your work. I want you, all of you. I've not come to torment or frustrate the natural self, but to kill it. No half measures will do. I don't want to only prune a branch here and a branch there. Rather, I want the whole tree out. Hand it over to me, the whole outfit, all of your desires and all of your wants and wishes and dreams. Turn them all over to me. Give me yourself, and I will make for you a new self in my image. Give me yourself, and in exchange, I will give you myself. My will shall become your will. My heart shall become your heart. It is time to look at your crops. It is time to look at where you're planted and decide, Am I even do I even have a market? Am I even alive? Because one of the measures of life is that you are producing fruit. And if you are not producing fruit, 
it is time to restructure the orchard of your life and to begin to say, God, I want that because that will bring you life. You will never experience life in the same way until you become a fruit producer. Amen. Let's stand. And we got some uh, prayer. I want to bless you. Are you going to, you going to, all right, let's do it. (laughs) Chris was going to jump out to go to a wedding. She is going to do a final song. And I want to get a chance if, uh, I don't often do this, but I'm going to give you a chance to respond today. And in a moment, I'm going to ask everyone just kind of close their eyes, bow their heads, just give a place of sanctity. And any of you that need a new tree, and you look at your crop, you can, look, you can pull that tree out now and say, I want God, I want your tree. I, I need, an, I want to live in an orchard. I want to plant myself in those places. I want to be by streams of healthy water and living with, with, with no toxicity in the soil. The air is pure. I'm going to give you a moment there, but Chris is going to sing through this. And if you want to plant yourself, you want a new tree, we're going to give you an opportunity for decision today in the name of Jesus. Chris, lead us.